It's Wednesday, October 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Alicia Alfieri. Thanks for being here. So glad to be here, Chris. We've got travel. Uh, we're going to talk about which stocks in your portfolio you should be adding to, but we are going to start with the business of alcohol. It was a mixed second quarter report for Constellation Brands, the seller of beer, wine, and spirits had profits that were solidly lower than expected. Revenue was higher, and they raised revenue guidance for the full fiscal year. Let's start here. What stood out to you in this report? Yeah, well, well, first, so revenue net sales grew uh, 5% year over year to total $2.4 billion. So, so pretty impressive here. Interestingly enough, uh, this growth is being driven by their core beer brands, not seltzer or alternative beverage products like we've seen uh, for other alcoholic brands. So let, let's talk about their beer because I think there are some interesting things in here. So. Uh, second quarter sales grew here 14% year over year, and they've seen strong growth for their core imported beer brands. So their beer business outpaced the total beer category um, and the high-end segment. Modella, Especial, uh, and Corona Extra have been really driving a lot of the growth here. And the company is really excited about Modelo specifically and their growth potential. So they've said that Modella uh, Especial was the number one brand in the higher-end beer category and the number one share gainer in the entire U.S. beer category. So they have a lot of growth here. Um, but as you said, you know what? <sighs> It was a complicated quarter. You know, they the the company was really dealing with some um, supply chain issues. Uh, they've said that one of the biggest issues for their supply chain was the strong ongoing demand that they've been seeing for their products. Um, but they don't expect those short-term supply issues to impact their long-term goals. And they're expecting more normal levels of inventory by the end of the year. Uh, so, so that are th th those are some positives that that we've been seeing here. Yeah, I think um, you know this is this is kind of a tricky one because Bill Newlands took over as CEO late spring of 2019. It was clear pretty quickly that he was going to be doing things differently than the previous CEO, and uh, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but. You know, he was starting to execute on that plan and the pandemic hit. So I think if you're a Constellation Brands shareholder, you know, this is a stock that over the past year is up a bit over the last five years, really <laughs> trailing the market. Um, I, I think unless you really need the money, this is one that you hold on to and you, you give Bill Newlands another year or so, don't you? Just because it, it, it seems like, I, I don't know, I don't own shares, but I, unless I really needed the money, I think I'd want to give this guy at least one more year to see what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they talked a little bit about his plan for capital allocation, uh, which is really important here. So they're going to be focused on paying down debt, reinvesting in the business so they could have that um, an expansion in, in production capabilities, which is important to meet demand. 
And, and this is really interesting, they've committed to returning $5 billion to shareholders through share buybacks. They've said that they're, they're buying them at advantageous prices because they believe the share price is undervalued and also by giving um, uh, dividends, right? And so they've estimated that they're about 60% of the way to this goal, which is pretty in, impressive. So I thought that was a really interesting strategy, this focus on capital allocation. Also, they've said that, you know, they're going to be exploring some of, of the, uh, the the seltzer brands and, and some of the innovative products there. They think that that, that market is going to continue to be important. Um, and yeah, so we'll see how they go from here. Yeah, it is. It, it is um... You know, maybe that was the plan all along, um, pre-pandemic, to get into the seltzer market in a significant way. They haven't done that yet, so I think that's that's one more thing to see if they can pull off. Yeah, and it was interesting actually. So, so in further back, I think we saw a huge growth in the seltzer market. Um, what Constellation talked about on their earnings call today was really interesting. They've said that you know there were a lot of entrants coming into this segment of the market because people are interested there. You know they've seen growth, but the company is expecting that there could be some consolidation activities and that they're really going to look at adding a product that that to them is highly differentiated to be able to be competitive in this in this area. So I think it's smart growth and smart capital allocation. So like I said, I'm excited to see where they go from here. Likewise. Norwegian Cruise Line CEO Frank Del Rio says his company will have 75% of its ships in operation by the end of the year and 100% in operation by April. And I I don't know Frank Del Rio. Um, but I'm much more likely to believe the first part of what he said than the second, just because April really seems like it's a long way away. Yeah, I, I mean, keep in mind that the company only relaunched their first cruise ship in late July, and they've only restarted their U.S. cruises in early August. And obviously, COVID really impacted their business. So in the second quarter, revenues were $4.4 million. Uh, for, for 2021, that's compared to 16.9 million in 2020 and 1.6 billion in 2019, right? So that gives us, that frames our discussion around COVID and, and the ships. Uh, right now they have eight ships running. They have a hundred percent vaccination policy. Um, you know, it, 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 it is possible that they could have, uh, Hundred percent of their of their ships running by April. I think it's we're really going to have to take this quarter by quarter to see how it how it goes. How people if people continue to be comfortable traveling on cruises. Yeah, and from the standpoint of the stock, it's basically half of where it was in January of 2020. It's it's only slightly higher than where it was when it went public in early 2013. So, you know, it depends on how you want to look at it. You can look at this business and say, oh, well, they've, you know, they've got some room to run here. But uh, I don't know, do the cruise lines interest you like in terms of, I mean, we're going to get into this more in in our next segment, Um, but do these businesses interest you? You know, I always try to look at companies from the standpoint of of curiosity, right? And and really researching 
diving into the to the industry and not letting any any thoughts that I have any preconceived uh things that, that, that I have really color uh, research into the industry. You know, I, I think that they definitely have room to, to grow after, after COVID, right? I mean, th- this last year and a half for them has been really difficult. So it's, it's possible that they could get back on track. Um, what they look like in years to come, I, that's, that's definitely a question. Quick programming note, it's going to be a short week for us. We are off on Thursday, so by all means, if you're not already listening to Industry Focus, Motley Full Answers, Rule Breaker Investing with David Gardner, check those out. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Got a great question from John Ross, who writes, within a balanced portfolio of 20 stocks or so, say you own a couple of stocks that have done amazing and a couple of stocks that have fallen since you first bought them. If you believe in the future of all four stocks, is it better to buy additional shares in the company that has underperformed or the company that has outperformed expectations? Basically, is it better to buy the dip or add to an existing winning streak? It's a great question. Um, I personally am going through this right now. I am, <laughs> I am looking at my portfolio. I am seeing stocks that, in some cases, have been cut in half from where I bought them, and others that are rock solid market beaters and i've got some cash and i'm i'm sort of trying to decide okay where where am i going to go with this um to john's question how can someone get at an answer to this yeah i mean and, and it is an excellent question i think it's an age old question that we're going to continue to to struggle with i think in in years to come as as investors i think this is always an important question to evaluate for yourself, right? So the argument for buying in the dip is essentially kind of like a stock sale. And who doesn't love sales, right? Essentially, if you loved a company at, let's say, $100 share prices, you believe in the company, you believe in the the investment case, you should love it even more at $80 a share, especially if you are if you are an investor that believes in the long-term view of things and you're all about being in the market for a long time. Um, But there's also an argument to add to your winners that winners will continue to win. And I say, why, why do you actually have to choose? I think if you believe in both types of companies and the long-term prospects of both types of companies, there's nothing wrong with continuing to invest in both. I think the most important thing is, is to continue to invest, get into that rhythm of saving and investing. Um, and, and remember, the most important thing is time in the market, not trying to time the market to get your you know lowest price or, or whatever. Yeah, I think you know a reason why you would have to choose could simply come down to cash. Could it could just be sure. like, look, I'm I've got my strategy for adding um, to my portfolio and I've got this set amount of money. And so, you know, so one way to look at it is, you know, if you can only add one, uh, add to your winner because you know, a month or two down the line, uh, somewhere down the line where you have more cash, there's a decent chance that the ones that have fallen below the price at which you bought them are still going to, maybe they're not cut in half, maybe they're only down 20%, but you're still buying them. Um, you're still lowering your cost basis. One of the things I'm trying to do is to essentially just set aside 
the price and just yeah. try to think about these businesses holistically and and almost rank them like okay which ones do I have the most confidence in? You know, aside from the price, um, it's hard to do because, again, as you said, who doesn't love a sale? And if you bought, a, you know, if you and if you bought, uh, that's the thing about the market. I mean, I know the market, uh, the S and P five hundred has hit new highs more than fifty times this year. There are still really good businesses that are trading. 40-50% below their highs, which they hit earlier this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say always keep a list of companies that are on your watch list or your, you know, to be invested in list and and journal about those companies, follow those companies, and absolutely invest in the highest conviction companies that you have. Uh, before we wrap up, um, what is one stock that is on your watch list right now? One stock that you're just sort of like, I haven't bought shares yet. I'm looking at this. Um, and you don't necessarily need to go into why you haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm just curious, what is on Alicia's watch list? Oh, so the, the the number one company for me that's on my watch list, actually, let me let me rephrase. The one that comes to mind most, most easily. I was about to say, one. holy cow, let me get a pen. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to no. write this down. No, it's number no, one no, on number your one. list. No, number one. Um, so, yes, watch lists are, are super long. I think a company that, that I've been interested in learning more about is Align Technologies. So, the company that makes the clear plastic aligners. As a, as a kid, I had braces and I hated them. And the market for uh, misalignment of teeth is is pretty big. And so I'm interested in them. So they are one of the, the many companies uh, that I'm interested in, in researching and learning more about. How about that? Nice. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Um, I think I've mentioned this before. One that is on my watch list, um, and I still need to do some more research on, um, is a company that uh, has been talked about in various Motley Fool forums, and that's Lemonade, um, uh, the insurance company. And um, uh, yeah, it's 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 one I just want to do some more research on. I suppose there's, you know, as we say all the time, like you know, one way to do research is to, you know, sort of. Approach a stock and buy it in thirds because you know, you're gonna. It's human nature just to for investors to be more interested in something once you own shares of it. So there, I, I should probably just um, get it off my watch list and buy a couple of shares and then decide if I want to add to it later. But um, for now, it's still on my watch list. Absolutely, or even starter positions, so smaller positions, and then you could add to it, as you said, as you learn more about the company, as you deepen your conviction in the company. Alicia Alfieri, great talking to you as always. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Monday.